Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 356 of the podcast with my guest, Allie Gertz. She is known for many things, many of them musical, but also is the co-host of the Round Springfield podcast with Julia Prescott, who was on the uh, podcast last week. And thanks again, Julian, for scheduling this long distance podcast episode recording. Of course, I'm still up here at SF Sketchfest, so glad to be able to make that happen. I would encourage those of you who are uh, potentially in the Bay Area to come see some shows. This weekend, I'm doing uh, three shows that I'm really excited about. I may be doing more that I'm forgetting, but uh, I can in, I can tell you that we do have a handful of tickets left for this uh, immersive experience of the Thrilling Adventure Hour with all the Work Juice players, Padre Brewster, Busy Phillips, Paul F. Tompkins. There's like 12 of us, so I'm not going to name them all here, but if you go to sfsketchfest.com, you can check out information. We're doing a live show on stage at the Palace Theater, which was formerly known as the Speakeasy, and it is a Speakeasy-style environment. We're going to be doing doing a bunch of immersive interactive stuff all through the space with the audience, um, hanging out with them, singing with them, uh, talking to them, giving advice. It's goofball crazy it's gonna be so fun and so special we're all really excited about it so that's an option you can also come see the Rhett Miller wheels off show it's a wonderful night of music and comedy I'm very very excited to sing a couple of songs with Rhett so um, check that out and then on the final weekend I will just throw out there that we're also doing a live episode of Voyage to the Stars the podcast I'm on that's the kooky improvised space podcast that we have just um, getting to the end of our season two out there in the world anywhere you get podcasts Podcasts and uh, Felicia Day, Colton Dunn, Steve Berg, Kirsten Vangsness, and I will be joined by a guest on Sunday the 26th, our closing night. So come hang with us for that. Uh, without further ado, I'm very excited to get into this episode with Allie, and I hope everyone's doing great. Yeah, I do all my podcasts with my eyes closed anyway, whether I'm in the same room as someone or not. Yep. So uh, I just don't want any visual distraction. It's like no, I no, want to no. experience what the listener is experiencing. So I, I would, don't want to. Exactly. And I would like a heightened sense of smell when I'm doing it. I hear that's good for that. <laughs> that's right. Super important for podcasting. Super important. Um, this is a very, this actually is a very stupid question, but I'm thinking about it because I, I've had the same like tail end of a cold that I think other people are having this season where I got a cold a month ago. Oh my God. And it was never awful. Like I sort of had energy the entire time, but it was, and it, it never turned into like a horrible cough or anything, but I've had a post nasal drip Oof. for the last two weeks with no other symptoms oh. to the point where now I'm like I guess this is just life yeah right? this how is me quickly, now. <laughs> how quickly we go well I guess I gotta live with this forever yeah 2020 um, is post nasal drip year post nasal pnd I really <laughs> had to think too hard about those letters um and part of the thing that has happened is that I feel like my sense of smell has been sort of annihilated by this cold. Oh, <laughs> I'm no. sure it will come back <laughs> a little stronger. But as you know, like tastes are duller and all that kind of stuff. Um, how is your sense of smell? How is your sense of taste? I have a very... Are they strong? I have a very strong sense of everything, I think. I think I'm overly sensitive to a lot of things. Um like my ears, like I have very, like I have to constantly tell people to please turn stuff down like an old lady. Me too. I don't know why that is. And I used to play drums. I play music. Like I do stuff that's loud, but 
when it comes to other people's noise sources, it could really like stress me out. And then for smell, yeah. I, I feel like I have a like a dog like sense of smell. Like I'm usually the first person who's just like, food is here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that said, I wear glasses, so I don't have a very good sense of sight. Well, as you know, you were only able to choose two senses um, <laughs> to have be very strong when you're in the line uh-huh. in heaven. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's. I I also feel like I sh- I feel like I have both the things that happen supposedly when you have poor hearing in some moments, and then the rest of the time, I'm always the one who's like, that seems very loud to me. Yeah. So I find it very confusing, <laughs> because like I have tinnitus, which I guess kind of everyone does, especially yeah. living in the age of earbuds and not really, you know, necessarily knowing when you're listening to something too loudly, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's an easy thing to ignore as long as there's some other ambient sound. But yes. if I go from, right? If you go from a place, maybe Julian has this too. If you go, if I go from a place that has any kind of sound going on and I go into like my closet where it's very quiet and, you know, everything's kind of mus- muffled by clothes. Yeah. All of a sudden I'm like, oh, I have a high pitched sound <laughs> in my ear that I've successfully avoided yep. listening to until this moment. Right? Exactly the same. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Is your number one fear of going to prison that you will be alone with your own tinnitus? Because it's mine. Yeah. That's a big yeah. <laughs> That's why people hate solitary sensory confinement. Depriva- <laughs> yeah. Sens- sensory deprivation. I'm yeah. afraid of it because I'm afraid that that sound will just become yeah. like so loud that I'll go mad. Yeah. It's like the telltale heart, but your tinnitus. And yet we can hear sounds and are sensitive to things that other people are like why i i don't even hear what you're talking about like what's going on it's a curse i don't get it (laughs) oh my gosh we gotta listen i'm hoping that there's some sort of unchecked superpower that you and i both have that is tinnitus related that is going to end up yeah saving lives yeah when did you start playing the drums that's Uh, a very cool instrument to play it's actually funny i uh started kind of as a baby there's a little bit of a joke where so we always had music around uh my dad is a musician and always had bands and uh i don't know if you're familiar with the the bass drum usually has like a little hole and often there's a pillow or blankets inside of it as a toddler i like (laughs) fell asleep in there once uh so we joke that that's like how i got good rhythm uh, <laughs> when really that's probably why I have these ear problems um, <laughs> like, because your dad would just go ahead and have a really loud band rehearsal yeah. with you and the drum sure uh, but yeah I, I was like five years old when I started playing maybe even a little younger I would just kind of bang on them and then I know that when I was like six or seven I had like this um, themed birthday it was like a Beatles themed birthday and I like my dad in the very early days of Photoshop like photoshopped me on Ringo's body like my child head on Ringo's body um, <laughs> and uh, yeah because like, he was the shortest one <laughs> yeah and like I had like a drumming coming out party where I like played with all my dad's friends and kept a rhythm and stuff and yeah that is a very I mean you know this I know that you know this but that is an extremely hip story to be able to tell about being that young it's pretty cool that's extraordinary uh my dad is a drummer uh also and so I grew up with a drum set in the house and I would um alternate between being afraid of how loud they were and like you know being the kid who realizes that they have the power to make very loud sounds (laughs) at will like sort of two different minds about it yes Exactly right. Did you play other? You, I think you said you play other instruments besides the drums. I know that you are a musician now. What What do you? Uh, what have you dabbled in or ex? 
expertise in? <laughs> I've expertise in nothing, uh, but <laughs> I have uh, done a lot of dabbling. And um, the instrument that I'm probably the most comfortable with is the guitar. I play acoustic guitar. And um, I have an album regrettably titled Cosby Sweater uh, that used to be my old band name. Um, I don't... I'm familiar with that album, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember why I changed the name, but for some reason I thought it'd be a good idea. Um, <laughs> uh, Roman Polanski sweater was taken, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> oh I... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I played, uh, I, I've played guitar for a while. I... I'm good at tricking people into thinking I'm much better than I am because I use a capo, which looks very cool. But it's really sure. it's really just that I only know five chords. But if I make the capo go up or down, it seems like I know 50 chords. I completely understand. I feel that way about alternate tuning. Like when yeah. I started, when I found out that was a thing, I was like, <laughs> oh, so you're, you're saying that that just like this, for example, can just make a, an open chord without even having to press a fret and it sounds cool. <laughs> like... Why didn't anyone tell me about this? Exactly. Um, yeah, drop D is like such a, a cool thing to discover when you're like 12. You're just like, I'm That's the right. greatest. Um, and That's then I, right. I play keyboard um, or piano, I guess. Um, so I had my second album was this Rick and Morty concept album. And um, that was something where I saw the show. I would kind of even decided like I'm going to stop writing songs that are kind of pop culture based. I'd like to move more towards like the Amy Mann, Fiona Apple verse of like really authentic, raw, emotional lyrics. But then I saw the show and I was like, you know, I have a really like deep love of this. And this is season one. This is before all the fans became kind of monsters, um, <laughs> including myself. But so I decided like I love the music in this show. Uh, the band Chaos Chaos really got me. Um and I decided, like, I'm going to try and teach myself how to kind of make music that sounds like this electropop, dancey, sad music. And so I bought a MIDI keyboard and then just kind of locked myself in my room for a couple of weeks um, and did like a Indiegogo for it and then just kind of self-produced an album. And so... I play all the beats and all the tracks, and um, I did get, like, this uh, awesome nerd rapper named MC Frontalot, and then this guy, uh, his name is Sebastian Bach, but he's not Se- <laughs> he's not the Sebastian Bach. Um, he is a Sebastian Bach. <laughs> I can't believe his parents did that to him. Um, <laughs> but he's incredible. Uh, so aside from those two, though, it's it, I'm doing all the instrumentation on it, which was a really fun challenge, so I... I am not like super, super gifted at any of the instruments I play, but I do like to pick up new instruments and kind of teach myself and learn as I go. Sure, sure. And obviously, like it's in the world of electronics and gear and all of the kind of stuff that you can do. I mean, this is a this is, I guess, an appropriate um, callback. But, you know, that's like Eric from Say Hi has, you know, just sort of everything, mm-hmm. um, I think, a similar mindset and, and just sort of accumulates stuff in his house and is able to, like, just continue to put out music with uh, with no needing no one. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. There's something nice about that, especially, I think, for the for the kind of person who is, you know, sort of always cooking something in the back of their mind and, and not having to, like, you know, reserve studio space and, you know, get the band together and, and, and sort of, you know, it just becomes more and more challenging to, to kind of spit all that stuff out and get to work on it. Collaborating is amazing, but it, 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 you're in, you know, you're sort of in service of, or you're, you're, you're beholden to more and more and more people's schedules and, 
Yeah, you know, definitely. It's tricky. Yeah, it's really good, especially like if you are busy with a day job or just anything else that you do, because then you could like keep yourself up late at night and then just like be playing until the morning. And then the next day you have something cool that you could share with people. Absolutely. And also don't drive yourself to work if you've been up all night. Music, <laughs> I guess. Uh, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Long Beach, California. Uh, so L.A. County, but L.A. seemed still very like mystical and like its own special magical place. Um, I think I only went to L.A. City um, a couple times uh, and it was to see concerts. So I mm. didn't really go back and forth much. But it's funny because I will still kind of look at like the anniversary of moving to L.A. And I definitely get chewed out for it. Rightly so. Of just like, <laughs> oh, you moved half an hour away. <laughs> like that must be really hard. Do you miss your family? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, when are you going to book a flight home from exactly. LAX to Long Beach Airport? <laughs> oh, the very best airport, I think. Oh. Long Beach Airport, really great. Um, yeah, growing up in Long Beach is fun for people that don't um, know much about it. They associate it, of course, with Snoop um, or Cameron Diaz, sure. depending on who they are. Um, I remember I once I associate it with good vintage furniture. Yes. Oh, Fourth Street Retro Row. Uh, to any yeah. people that are in the LA County area looking for affordable furniture, which you will have a very hard time finding in LA proper unless you're going to like a Rose Bowl, like a flea market type place. Like Long Beach has a really I shouldn't tell people because then it will make it more forget what I said. Forget what I said. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. We're, that'll get cut out. That's gonna be a, it's a very controversial <laughs> piece that's gonna get cut out of the podcast. Yeah. I it, do I will say I enjoy that you called it LA City because yeah. I don't know that it, if, if you if you if that's a thing you've done before or if it just in that moment you were sort of identifying it <laughs> like that but the idea that in Long Beach people would be like no she went up to LA City we have not talked to her since <laughs> yeah um, we're all southern she's all the way up in LA City uh, yeah all southern it's funny um I'm I'm frequently asked uh where I'm from not just in like a polite podcast setting where of course you're trying to get to know the person but people will ask based on my quote-unquote accent like oh where are you from you you have this you know you have this draw like drawl like you have something about you that has a little twinge of like repressed southern and <laughs> my other Long Beach friends who have moved here get the same thing and I think really interesting and I think what it is is we have a like a it's like growing up with surfer vibes like surfer type of not valley girl but that type of kind of slower talking then trying to erase that I think you get some mm. weird you get some weird kind of leftover accent that is unplaceable to most um but it's weird I've had other people from Long Beach get the same thing from strangers that's so I, I've said this before but I I'm from Arizona and people think I'm Canadian interesting which is like I don't know I, wow okay <laughs> well um, one, one thing I would say about both of us is um at least just from this brief uh, listening to your voice uh it, I would say that we're both fairly articulate in each of our like we're we you know we're enunciating quite particularly which I don't think is is really common in in a lot of the state and like in a lot of California I guess there's more mm. like I don't know more of a casualness to California accents. Typically, maybe I'm no, wrong. No, I don't. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. And I think some, <laughs> some of that maybe does come out of um, sort of. I, I mean, but, well, tell me, tell me what you think. I mean, you you sort of said it just um, 
like as a as a possible universal thing about somebody coming from Long Beach and and maybe either making an unconscious or a conscious effort to um, separate yourself a little bit from maybe a culture that rightly or wrongly is associated with you know la- laziness or or easy breezy or stoner or <laughs> right. you know surfer or what, whatever that means to to other people again not rightly or, you know could be rightly or wrongly but. Um, is there is there something about you know being a girl and wanting to be taken seriously as an intellectual or wanting to be taken seriously as like a comedy nerd that that <laughs> kind of shapes you know or the shows that you watch or whatever yeah. like what shapes absolutely. things out, you know outside of that yeah yeah absolutely I was actually about to uh, mention you know a lot of what it is that we're listening to and aspiring to be definitely will influence like the way that you talk. Um, for example, um, I have, I guess in my singing, I have more of an accent. And I think the the way that it's uh, so lovingly described is like the, that like, that indie, uh, the indie girl accent, um, kind of uh, lumping every single girl who does acoustic folk into one category as having this one <laughs> accent. And um, it's interesting, it has kind of a... An almost like fake Britishness to it, where there's kind of like I don't know. I grew up listening to like I learned how to play um, guitar. Uh, the first song I ever learned is by the Sundays, and so I like the song "Here's Where the Story Ends" is the yeah. first song because it's two chords. It's just C and G, and yeah. so you know I have a little bit of that kind of like Paul McCartney like saw her ringing type of thing. Like not always the hard R's, but like this softness to R's, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. I think it's just because like I grew up listening to a lot of stuff that was like that or like the the cardigans or like different bands just kind of have like this accent and I couldn't really tell you why it happens other than I think it just probably sounds better <laughs> to like sing it that way. I don't yeah. know. No, I feel the same and 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 I actually have like a negative association with overarticulation um with a musical theater. Like yes. that, like that sort of for me became like because I because I grew up on ex- you know exactly the band that you're talking about and and um and and then also enjoyed being a, kind of a theater kid, but but in my mind, singing you when you sing, you sound like a like a like a musician, like a like a yeah. like a rock. I don't want to say rock star because that makes it sound like everyone has to be like stadium band. But um, you know that that's sort of what like cool music sounds like. And so when it's, when I would like like contemporary, of course, you kind, I kind of like give a pass to anything that was like around before I was born because sure. somehow that seems vintage. So it's like <laughs> the music, man, I love. Yes, but like fan of the opera, I didn't have time for, <laughs> and I really think it had so much to do with me going like, why do I have to hear every word they're saying? Why do I have to hear Ugh. every letter and consonant vowel? <laughs> why do I have to hear every single thing yes. that's being said? Of course, well, that's because they're. musicals you know like you're supposed to be able to understand all the (laughs) The lyrics lyrics as if people are speaking Uh. because that's that's what how the plot is moving forward but I was so impatient about that I was like why can't people like you know sound like sting or whatever I don't know (laughs) that's great uh were you in productions of the music man 
I've never been able to do it. It's definitely on the list. Oh man. Well, maybe um, maybe that's something you and I do later. It's a very short list later. of musicals because that's all that's on it. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, I I in in middle school I was uh, in it, and then later on in high school I was in it again. I played Zanita with uh, Yee Gads, and then I was sure. also um, the Irish mother. Um, so both character acting. Uh, parts and it's funny because when um, when I was in school you know the choir is who puts on there's no theater department it's just kind of the choir will put on these musicals and um, there's a girls choir and a boys choir and uh, when everyone was auditioning uh, I would always play Harold um, for the girls to audition against um, and I loved playing Harold so much that the teacher was kind of debating letting me play it, but all the boys oh. would have been furious. But it was a very oh. it was a very early introduction to me of that male characters are often so much yes. more charismatic and cool and yes. funny. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it my actually- version of that, yeah, my version of that and I and I think I very recently brought this up is the Pirate King and Pirates of Penzance. Oh, that was like yes. I couldn't there was no like nothing about any of the female roles spoke to me at all. I didn't know. You know, I was like, I don't know what. What do I? I can't. I can't. You know, as much as there as that's parody. You know, even for that time that Gilbert and Sullivan were parodying, yeah, all of that stuff. And I think that is very evident and extremely enjoyable. It it doesn't really change the fact that like I didn't. You know, that was not. I I I, I don't. Why wasn't I wearing thigh high pirate boots? Like, that seemed like the right. <laughs> thing for me you know exactly. and, and and same with Harold Hill yeah these super dynamic rakish you know funnier like they get to do all the funny stuff you know yeah um I don't know if you uh relate to this but it definitely confused my kind of understanding of gender and like who I might have a crush on because I always wanted to play boy characters when kind of playing pretend even as like a little kid like I always loved playing like Tarzan like I really liked to be the fun outgoing like tree climbing like you know kind of t- not just tomboy it's more than that because that's also kind of just a label that is thrown right. on girls but like I just really liked playing the guy characters and other people I think would think like oh well then you must like girls and I was like I don't think so but I guess maybe and it was just like this confusing thing where everyone loves to like put people in boxes from the time that they're like little just showing an interest in quote-unquote boy things and it's like I think we're seeing less and less of that even though they're still like you know, like gender reveal balloon poppings and whatever but like <laughs> <laughs> you know it does it does seem like we're like getting better about that stuff at least that's you know I I don't have kids so I I'm not too sure but I have a little sister who's three and so I get to kind of see a little bit of that happening but it uh, I know for at least Forever until recently, it has been very like you're blue, you're pink. No, I agree. I mean, I think what you, I want to go back to to what you said because I I do find that really really interesting. I think that's such an interesting observation about um, gender and identity and sexuality as a, as a young person because you know it's also like a lot of people suggest that there you know that there's maybe more fluidity when you're young and it's and that it's hard to know whether that's genetic whether it's like becoming more culturally permissible and so that's why it's kind of cracking open in a new way and kids are are allowed to take their time with sort of labeling themselves yeah. you know um but i but i'm but i am curious like did you did you have outside forces whether it was friends or or adults um really ask you those questions like actually sort of say like oh well if you like 
if you if you're like pretending to be Tarzan, do you does that mean that you like girls? Like was he, that something that really did happen? Yeah, in middle school that would happen a lot, and it wasn't hateful. I don't know if it's just that Long Beach. Like I I actually genuinely loved middle school and cried when it ended. Um, even though I was definitely weird, um, I think that I was lucky enough to feel super like not aware of like I don't think I ever looked at myself in the mirror like to to put it that way like I don't think I Mm -hmm. I don't think I was ever I think my parents were good at not uh making me think about my appearance at all which is good because if I look at photos like (laughs) I definitely would have cried a lot like if I had been thinking (laughs) about it in that way um and I was just kind of a free kid who just kind of did whatever like my you know my first um year of middle school uh I didn't know anybody because no one from my elementary school was here and so I'm like I'm gonna reinvent myself and so I faked a British accent and pretended I was from Hogwarts and so um (laughs) like for a semester and like I like hand whittled this drumstick into a magic wand because they didn't sell like merch yet the movies had not come out yet and um sure would like write myself like uh, Hogwarts acceptance letters and like people obviously thought it was weird but for the most part like I was never bullied a lot of people thought I was funny um, I was like many kids who are, was like repeating like SNL sketches like in particular I was a Dana Carvey fan so I would do like you know the church chat and different things like that mm-hmm. and um you know, people would like sometimes people would be a little like uh, mean about like you're you're gay. And like, I, you know, I definitely was mostly just afraid of everybody in that way. Like my crush yeah. was SpongeBob SquarePants and like <laughs> I, like who I also don't know. Like what is his orientation? <laughs> How old is he? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, it, it I, I didn't even like currently I'm very much in love with my boyfriend but I have also dated women in the past um and while I was first ever dating women I I was kind of having these flashbacks that I think I maybe had repressed of people kind of being not mean but a little confrontational about like you're gay like you you like girls that's weird but I didn't identify as that being the truth at the time I think I was just being these characters and having fun but it did kind of all kind of you know I did have that reflection when I was interested in this one particular person and and I was like oh I wonder if that's always been the case and if I have to Mm -hmm. if if because I like this one person that means I've always been gay and for me it was just a matter of like well you know I just like whoever I like and sometimes that's a girl and sometimes it's a sponge so (laughs) you know (laughs) first of all I think there's a reason that Spongebob has the you know that has the longevity that he has and and because I think on face like on its appearance like if you don't watch the show or if you don't know anything about it you can kind of dismiss it as like oh that's that's just a loud Nickelodeon show <laughs> like there's you know those exist and and they're fun but where's the emotional depth to them and and but there is so much going on there and there is and I think the ambiguity uh obviously we we know because people like to speculate about his relationship yeah. uh, you know and 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 his and his sexuality and I think something so like I don't know. It's funny because we actually have a SpongeBob anniversary um, 
panel happening here at Sketchfest. Uh, so cool! I think this upcoming this upcoming weekend, yeah. And I've I've kind of been thinking about that. Like I, I like I realized, you know, sort of because I don't follow the behind the music, so to speak, of of SpongeBob. <laughs> I don't know if that was something that was really conscious or if it was sort of like a lightning in the bottle that no one realized of of like oh his sort of ambiguity is going to be. Um, like like exciting and inclusive for yeah. kids who you know are used to things being having clearer definitions right and 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 maybe not feeling so inclusive even though it's like also just sort of a you know sponge who lives in the ocean um, <laughs> uh but but yeah I, I think I I, re- I really do appreciate everything you're saying I, I really had not thought as much about that idea of like role playing and um and the fact that we are often uh, less so now, to your point, but that that as as young people we 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 had crushes on on characters who were male in the sense of wanting to be them versus yeah. wanting to be be with them, and then that turning yourself inwards to go later, like oh, does that mean this? Does that mean that? And and it's it is funny because for as much as we are especially middle school and high school, right? Labels become somehow way more important. And and I don't know if that's like directly related to hormones or, or if it's just societal or what it's all about, but it does seem like it becomes important in a different way. And it's important when you're a kid, if, if other people are labeling you, right? But sure. even self-labeling, I think becomes and, 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 and kind of like, like, signifying you know physically like I'm wearing this because I want people to know that means I blank or I cut my hair to look like this because I want people (laughs) to look at me and know these things about me exactly Um, right but like when you're a kid it's true like I I mean it's funny because I I the the feverish feverish makeout sessions that I instigated (laughs) with with my girlfriends um I think I like I like I sort of accounted for them um to myself or to anyone who is judgmental as like practice exactly. you know or as as sort of and but when it when really it was like no I just I really wanted to kiss these like I was yeah. very attracted to these girls and they were a, a game I don't know I don't know that, I, I always felt like I was instigating them I felt like Same. I was very much the plotter of like meet me in the Swiss cheese tunnel concrete thing in the playground at blank time yep uh, I don't ever remember anyone asking me to meet them but um but that but that yeah there was a sense of like the straight world was was so much in charge that that was the only way that it could make sense to a kid if if the label had to exist. It was like, oh well, I guess this isn't this can't be real. Yeah, but there must be some reason <laughs> that I want to do this all the time. So I guess it's it's it must be that I'm just you know I'm getting ready to be like a straight woman. Yes, <laughs> you know, which is which is kind of like disappointing to look back on. Like I I love that I love the idea that kids now that someone can go I don't know maybe it is maybe it's not maybe you're gay maybe you're bi maybe you're nothing maybe you like I don't know yeah what what, what feels good to you what feels right to you and that can change you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, the idea of like, I think people want this very neat package of like, when did you know that you were whatever your orientation is? And people tend to uh, want a story that's just like, I've always known, like, as soon as I was five. And it's so often, sometimes that's the case, but it's so often like, it changes, it evolves. It's like, like you mentioned, it's very fluid. And, um, you know, I do think that 
that we will see more of that, especially as we get more characters like that um, in TV and movies, because that's so often like how we learn anything about anything that isn't our own lives, especially if you grow up in a small town. Um, and, and really only have, uh, you know, like if you, if you grow up in like a super religious town, you're maybe not going to see as much diversity as you might in, uh, like an urban city or something. Absolutely. And did you, what did you said that you have siblings? Yeah. So I have, uh, two older siblings and then, uh, so that's from my mom and, uh, her previous husband. And then my dad, uh, recently, uh, remarried and has a daughter Olivia who is three. Oh, nice yeah. so you were so you were an only child to your mom and dad specifically Correct. but you yes. have half siblings yeah um, I have three how much older siblings. are your half siblings they're uh, your, your two older siblings yeah they're like 10 and 13 years older than I am um, so I have big gaps like I've never had siblings that I grew up with um, like yeah going to school at the same time my um, my mom and dad have a, a age difference where she is uh uh 15 years older than my dad oh okay yeah Um, is that something that you were aware of being unusual uh when you were growing up uh it it kind of would just well so my dad and I are super close um he's like one of my one of my friends and uh basically you know people would kind of see and he looks young and I've always kind of looked older. So like when we would go to Arkansas to visit like uh, his dad, my um, my late grandpa Don, um, people would like judge my dad saying like, isn't she a bit young? <laughs> and it's just like uh, for my daughter. No. Um, oh, and sometimes yeah, people yeah. would be a little confused uh, kind of about like who's who in this situation. Um, yeah. But aside from that, I mean, like anybody, I think. Uh, your parents are the only example you have of what a relationship looks like until you get a little bit older and then you kind of look around or then people start to make comments or say something. But they were together for like 20 years. It wasn't until I turned um, 15 or something that my dad was able to kind of see like, okay, like this has been, this has been great, but I'm also still pretty young and would like to kind of go out there because he had you know he met my mom when he was you know younger and so he like didn't really have too much like time to sow his oats I guess uh that Mm -hmm. creepy saying um (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah now my mom and dad are both actually with uh what is said is like age appropriate uh for both of them (laughs) so yeah my mom my mom found someone great and uh and then my dad found someone great Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hey, gang. Jesse here, the founder of Maximum Fun. And with me is Stacy Molsky, who is, among other things, the lady who responds to all of your tweets. Hi, everyone. I also send you newsletters. Uh, so anyway, something really awesome. You... Max Fun listeners have given us the chance to do something really cool on behalf of our entire community, and we wanted to tell you about it. Last summer, following the Max Fun drive, we put all of the enamel pins on sale to $10 and up members, with proceeds going to the National Casa GAL Association for Children. Your generous support and enthusiasm raised over $100,000. Our bookkeeper, Steph, would be quick to tell me the exact total is 
$109,025, to be exact. Your money will go toward pairing kids who've experienced abuse or neglect with court-appointed advocates or guardian ad litem volunteers. In other words, kids in tough spots will have somebody in their corner. Knowledgeable grown-ups who are on their team through court dates and life upheavals and confusing situations, whatever. The money we raise together is going to help a lot of kids. Whether you bought pins or not, you can help us build on that $109,000 foundation. Make a donation to support National Casa GAL and help some of our nation's most vulnerable children at MaximumFun.org slash C-A-S-A. That's MaximumFun.org slash CASA. And seriously, thank you. Our community rules. The, the worst time for me, to, and maybe this is true for you, the worst time possible for me to be mistaken for my father's wife was <laughs> as a teenager, which is kind of the only time that that could happen, right? Because right. he looked young and I looked old enough that mm -hmm. we would get like looked at askance at like a bed and breakfast where we were staying <laughs> when my dad was working on his book about ghost towns. And like, I, that's a weird that's just a, for me, I mean, it wasn't like I was like, you know, I, I wasn't turning inwards going like, what does this mean? But I think <laughs> there there is a sort of like weird, I don't know. It's just, it's like, it's, it's sort of a weird identity moment. I never understood. And maybe, I don't know if you look like your dad. I really look like my dad. So <laughs> for too. someone to be able to look <laughs> past, like yeah, these the, two people, the she looks like the female version <laughs> of him. Yep. <laughs> seems like wow you really wanted to see a relationship <laughs> like you must have really wanted to see that that's so funny although you know i i often see couples that really look like brother and sister and like uh, you're it. not wrong you're not wrong <laughs> damn it yeah um yeah i mean like the fact that my boyfriend has like even the same like hair and eye color as my dad makes me feel like weird um so i <laughs> i definitely relate to like no thank you please stop and when my dad was dating um there was one woman he was uh in a in a serious relationship uh before his current marriage um after my mom and uh she was uh slightly younger like she was in her late 20s um when my dad was like late 30s um so like mm -hmm. a 10 year difference or something and i was i think like 15 or six, maybe 16. And so we all went to the Orange County Fair together. And so it's my dad in the middle flanked by these two women or girl and woman. <laughs> and everyone just thought my dad had two girlfriends. And it was like, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, if it's the Orange County Fair, I guess that is the place where you think that might happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, now to, to, let's get back to you crying when middle school was ending. When sure. you were crying, what were you was it really just the feeling of <clears throat> this this experience has come to a close um, and that is that's emotional for me or was there a sense of what does what what's coming next I'm not sure I'm gonna like it as much like was I, there I think it was just so much fun and I knew that it was this kind of lightning in a bottle situation that I think I had seen enough movies where I knew that middle school wasn't supposed to be this great thing and that I had really gotten lucky. Um, mm. But I also knew that a lot of my friends weren't going to be going to my same high school um, and that it was going to be like kind of the end. Um, and, y you know, 
it's hard to separate what high school was on its face because high school um, isn't just a you know four-year thing that you do it's when you're also becoming like 15 to 18 and you're going through all these hormones and uh for me it was like my parents are getting a divorce it's the first time having Mm -hmm. a boyfriend it's this it's this it's this um and uh i think you know i couldn't have known what was going to be ahead but i think i was uh well i'll say this my dad uh when he when I was turning 10, he told me that he cried when he turned 10 because he was no longer a single digit. Um, <laughs> so, oh, no. wow. So, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely have had a sense of like, be a child for as long as you can instilled yeah. in me um, to the point where growing up is this very devastating and sad thing. And, uh, and I'll say this as well I believed in Santa until I was 13, and um, I definitely like really held on to the idea of being a kid and I really hated the idea of like ever losing my virginity and I was like very much just like if I but if I ever have sex like can I still love stuffed animals like I had this really weird Mm. prudish version of like it's it's bad to be an adult and so I think I was I think I was uh, afraid of of entering this new period of like burgeoning adulthood sure that's I mean obviously this is not news to you but you know that that does seem fairly unusual because everybody is is seems to be more in a rush to grow up and to be thought yeah. of as being older and more mature what um do you do you remember people trying like your peers sort of trying to pull you in onto the over to the other side in terms of like oh come on Allie there's no Santa like come on <laughs> you know where they're like those kind of moments where where people around you who are your age or up around your age were kind of so coaxing you like come nah come on put down that stuff animal come on well it's funny because despite having this like very like pure and quote-unquote like innocent view like I was still very like snobby and a know-it-all like I was still very <laughs> I was actually kind of like you know a a um like I've always related a lot to like John Cusack and high fidelity and it took me a very long time to realize that he is an asshole and that he has a journey <laughs> of becoming a good person um right right <laughs> um you know, so I was definitely like, like pretentious about liking Santa and thinking people are stupid. I I remember being someone who was just like, yeah, you believe in God. So why is that any different than me believing in Santa Claus? Like being yeah. very like, you being know, able you to believe use in existential thing. arguments to, to make your point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I think deep down, I probably knew, but I think I just really liked holding on to that idea. Um And uh, it wasn't until basically my mom, I used to have this trampoline, this giant trampoline, which was one of the best parts of my childhood. And my mom at some point got rid of it. And I was saying how mad I was. Uh, She referred to it as a trampoline that my mom and dad got me. And I said, like in a very snotty, like middle school, like 13 year old uh, voice, just like, um, Santa got it for me. Um, <laughs> and she was just like, Allie, come on. Um, and it's just like, if you're able to talk back in that tone, right. like you're too old. <laughs> right, um, right. <laughs> so what was, so what was when you did, uh, succumb to having your first boyfriend, how old were you and, and what was he like? How did um, that come to be? I was 14 and I remember I called my mom and I said, well, 
I'm no longer single. And she was just like, what? (laughs) Um, He was this very sweet, nice boy, a nice Italian boy. Um, And uh, we were just in the same English class. And I think it was that we had uh, more exposure to each other than than someone who wasn't in my English class. And I think, (laughs) you know, um, very, very innocent. Um, You know, we didn't really do too much i remember it took a long time to kiss um but that it was very exciting and it was like raining um we courted each other by we were all in the same friend group and i remember like riding on his back it was like a pool party or something where boys wouldn't have been wearing their shirts and i remember riding on his back like i like you um oh. and then he like found like I, with something real or like with I your finger spelling out letters it was oh, something okay. that gotcha. he could actually he had to have his friends like tell him what it is and i remember everyone like screaming and stuff uh, in a good way <laughs> <laughs> not of horror um <laughs> yeah it's blood <laughs> get it off me um <laughs> And I think he ended up writing it, like, in chalk or something. He ended up writing it back. And then it was just like, well, I guess we're dating. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> I'm uh, no longer single. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm no, no longer, longer single. single. <laughs> oh. um, and uh, we were together for a little while. Um, we ended up breaking up. Uh, I told him my parents were getting a divorce. And then he was just like, yeah, I think we should break up, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You know, it's, what that, a- <laughs> it's that thing where it's just like what, once one of your friend group, like one of the couples breaks up, everybody starts breaking up. So it was yeah. just a slight variation of that. Um, to be fair, like he definitely was not emotionally prepared, nor should he have had to be prepared to deal with a very depressed uh, 14 or 15 year old girl going through her parents sure. breakup. Like that is fine. Sure. Um. And I, remember I do love I had... the sort of Wes Anderson-ness of it. Sorry to interrupt, though. Like, you <laughs> no. can really imagine that scene playing out where you're like, yes. I just found out my parents are getting a divorce and your tiny high school boyfriend <laughs> is like, on that note, yep. I do want to talk to you about something. <laughs> like, oh, God. Exactly uh, I'm sorry, right. I interrupted you. What were you saying? No, no, no. Uh, well, I don't even, uh, I don't think it was anything of importance, but I will say Wes Anderson is a huge part of my uh, high school, middle school identity. Like nothing spoke to me more than um, than Rushmore. And uh, yeah. I really, really, really relate to Max Fisher so, so much. Um, yeah. Even though I, of course, I wanted to be um, Margot Tenenbaum, I definitely, uh, like I aspired to be Margot Tenenbaum, like to have that really interesting um, kind of, there's I forget what Ramon song is playing but there's like a montage kind of showing her life and her crazy 20s and like all the things she's done and I'm just like that's that's what I want I want to be cool like that but I definitely was more like Max Fisher yeah I get it boy that's (laughs) he really just when you think that the kind of like iconic smudgy eyeliner yeah like over it female character usually played by Winona Ryder or Christina Ricci (laughs) has been like fully yeah, fully explored. Then here comes Margot Tenenbaum and everybody yes. just kind of goes crazy all over again. I mean, that movie, same here. I mean, I'm older than you, but like that, uh, those those movies were very much like so many of the movies that I loved um, when I was younger were movies that were kind of before my time. So they were already established same. like Harold and Maude as classics, oh right? As like, oh yes. yeah, this is a thing that came, that's, that's existed longer than I have. And, you know, here it is this work of art. And like, that is how I feel most understood. And so to have a movie like Rushmore come out and to sort of have that feeling of like, oh, this is, 
this is new. Like, this is yeah. for me. And that's how I felt about Conan O'Brien's first TV show, too. I remember yeah. being like, oh, my God, this is just I'm this. No one else has seen this before me. Yes. And this is mine. Oh, God, yes. this is mine. Like, I no, don't. It's mine. Oh, my like God. feeling so that <laughs> passionate feeling of like, I'm sure no one else can feel as deeply as I do. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> that this is for me. Absolutely. But yeah, that it really he really, really like he 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 really created some stuff that um, that really has that like incredibly profound feeling of like, oh, thank you. Thank you for for bringing this thing into the world that, you know, I didn't know I needed it until I saw it. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And um, was it uh, I assume it was your your dad or mom or or someone was kind of spoon feeding you some of the older uh, movies and, and references? Or did you find those things like Harold and Maude on your own as well? I'm sure my dad. You know what? I'm sure. I'm sure my dad uh, showed me Harold and Maude, and I can't remember if it came in the order of like me already being obsessed with Cat Stevens, or oh, like in my dad's best. old albums, or or like some other reason that. But I'm yeah. I'm sure he was like, you gotta you gotta watch this. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I I was very lucky and cursed by my dad's um, and mom, but. My dad was really, really, really active in spoon feeding me all of his taste. And he was already young to like the things that he likes. So then he was then imparting those things on me. So I grew up the biggest Marx Brothers fan. And, uh, you know, now it's unfortunately changed. But Woody Allen was extremely important. And um, yeah, to my dad, too. I definitely was like for from such an early like I saw bananas <laughs> when I didn't know what contras were like I didn't know anything <laughs> about anything I think yeah. I might have thought for a long time that like Woody Allen had some sort of actual role in like <laughs> Central American <laughs> affairs that's amazing it's uh, uh, s- something really funny about loving older stuff when you're a kid is um, I don't know if you have this experience but um, I have found that there's a very sad time in an old soul's young life where they realize everyone they love is dead um, and oh, yeah. so like, yeah. I remember finding out that like John Lennon had died and being devastated, even though he had died, you know, 11 years before I was born and then yeah. having to ask like, well, is Groucho dead too? And it's like, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> like <laughs> like yeah, Ricky Nelson's I, dead. Everyone's dead. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, like same, like, and, and, and the, and how interesting and hard it is to, um, yeah, to not really have a full concept of, of time and the way time works and, and, and to have crushes on people that you then find out are 50 years older than yeah. you think of them as being. All of that kind of stuff is, is a mind fuck. Oh, um, yeah. Like finding out what Bud Court looks like as an adult. And, I like, know. He's, <laughs> and it's like, oh, he looks like a raisin. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I couldn't. Yeah, even just like with the Life Aquatic, I, I, and and those, and and my love of Harold and Maude came long before the Life Aquatic existed. Yeah, but even still, I was, I was like, oh, that's a different Bud Court. Like, yeah, that's not yes, the same. In, on some on some par- like in on some level, of course, I recognize it's one and the same people. But I've but like, the, there's some kind of way the mind compartmentalizes with yes. what you, <laughs> if you if you're exposed to something not at exactly the same time, you sort of preserve the person that you that you know you're thinking of. And I will say to you, I had to really exercise that because we had um, we did I, one of the 
first things that I, I we did, got to do for Sketchfest within the first like five years was um, was a, a screening of Harold and Maude at the Castro ah. Theater here with Bud Court. Oh my God. And I got to tell you, he was a nightmare to deal <gasps> with on no. many levels. Oh. He was, he just was very emotional. Um, he would get very, very upset if anyone ever, like he, when he was doing press, oh, like no. he's like someone interviewed him. I feel bad telling tales out of school, but, um, well. but he, like he, he did an interview with someone and then the interview came out and they, they, they said something about, you know, the sort of like cult classic of Harold and Maude. And he called me to scream, <gasps> like literally scream over the oh. phone about how much he hated that people called the movie a cult classic. He uh. hated the word cult. And, and then of course, when he came up, like somehow all of the stuff had been resolved and he like gave me... <laughs> <laughs> he gave me a beautiful like heart like a like a carved lapis lazuli like a roughly Whoa. carved like heart necklace and was like thank Whoa. you so much for putting up with me like <laughs> I know I'm tough I'm crazy but like I I've loved working with you and and then you know we and I and, I, and we had already established that like I was going to be the one who interviewed him on stage um after the movie and so thank god he did that because I was like an emotional mess because I yeah. didn't know what I was doing. I mean I know I was young and I didn't and it, here was this idol of mine that I'd had this huge crush on and and then he was screaming at me about the word cult and then Ugh. I knew I was going to have to interview him in front of 1400 people and Oof. um and so I and 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 so I of course still have the necklace but like now I've had to compartmentalize even <laughs> older bud court I've had to compartmentalize <laughs> as like nightmare older ba- yeah. bud court and like <laughs> wonderful sweet bud court and and right. just have to sort of make peace with like He's all of those things. Exactly. Yeah. The um, uh, the idea of us being very multifaceted uh, people in general, but then to add to it, you know, a performance, a character, something that they brought to life but didn't do alone is hard. And I definitely, one of the reasons I write songs about, like, very earnest love songs about, like, Steve Martin and the Jerk um, the reason I write these heartfelt songs about Millhouse from The Simpsons is because, like, I'm really torn up about these characters and I love them yeah. very, very much. And it's safer yeah. and easier to fall in love with a fictional character than it is a real life person because, you know, they're presented to you exactly how they were meant to be presented to you. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, then you meet a real life person and they disappoint you because they're human. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, who knows how Harold was acting? I'm like, well, one, when you get older, Harold, a lot like John Cusack in High Fidelity, kind of becomes more of an asshole. And you're kind of like, I yeah. can't believe that you made your mom think you were killing yourself all those times. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, yeah. it, you know, it's it's everything. It's almost hard to rewatch certain things just because I don't want to lose the magic of how I fell in love with it at first in the same way that, like, there's no way I would fall for the, you know, the first boyfriend I had uh, if mm-hmm. someone had those same characteristics now because now I know better but I know better because I dated him and loved him at the time you know like yeah um I I find all that stuff so so interesting and 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 difficult but rewarding as well to be like oh yeah he may have been a, a tool that day but he can't take away that that Harold is a person yeah to me no I agree I mean 
I, I completely agree. I think that's a really, really important thing. And I think and think you're there, you're very, very right, too, in that, like, you know, sort of where we are in our culture and and the things that we're kind of having to come to terms with as progress is made and as things become public that are uncomfortable and as, you know, we have to uh, reconcile yeah. or not reconcile. I think that's what's so fascinating. And I do need to get into this MASH game. So I'll just kind of make this our last thought before we get into fun times that we'll sure. probably reflect back on some of this stuff <laughs> is that I feel like that's um, it's funny that you brought up uh, Cosby sweater it's not funny and that it yeah. makes perfect sense that you would because of your out- but yeah uh, but <laughs> um, but I was just listening to the first episode of Chasing Cosby which is like the new podcast which is yeah. sort of chronicling everything that happened and because I avoid I've spent most of my life avoiding like actual national news as it's happening because I get so uncomfortable at how it's presented um, yeah. there is so much that I have learned about things that I was like I'm not comfortable with how this is being mm. exploited so I don't want to know anything yes. to like these the, like the podcast has become kind of a savior in, in, in many ways for me because it, it it's I feel like finally journalism is is I mean obviously there's like garbage podcasts right and left but yeah there are a lot of really thoughtful long-form ways that people are reflecting on stuff that's been around longer or or talking about stuff that's much more new to the zeitgeist and to our you know our sort of national and international conscience yes um but that's you know i I feel like every podcast I listen to that's kind of going into that stuff is um, it like the sort of <laughs> the sort of introductory episode also always contains like some version of this. And I had all these questions like, how could a guy do so many wonderful things and also be such a monster? Mm-hmm. How could he give so much to charity? How could he make the world laugh and also be willing able to do this? How could and like, I mm-hmm. think that's a, that's something that everyone's struggling with but but at a certain point I also become a little tired of it because I'm like yeah guess what <laughs> life is messy yes. people have wonderful qualities and absolutely awful qualities and yes. the way those express themselves at any given time uh you know people you know whether or not it's like can you know can someone enjoy Michael Jackson's music should Michael Jackson be his should all of his music just disappear versus like how about a general who was in the uh the confederate army who now you know maybe doesn't need a statue yes uh, (laughs) that is essentially giving the finger to every person who's not white Um, like all of those things are are complicated in that you know different people have different levels of resentment and or acceptance of all that stuff like for me you know, I don't want to watch Woody Allen movies anymore. And I'm bummed because like Hannah and her sisters was a movie that oh. was, you know, it was really important to me growing up. Like it was it was like a grown up movie that I still felt like I could connect with. Yes. Um, and, and it's the only Thanksgiving movie that's good. And it's the only Thanksgiving movie that's good. <laughs> and I have not seen it since you know the revelations about Same. Woody Allen and I, I'm sure I'll never see it again because for to your point I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to project the present onto my personal past relationship with it yeah but but I also um because for me you know I just that's it's whatever I you know I I know or choose to believe or whatever information I have limited to you know I wasn't there kind of stuff like I'm just I I don't I, I just I'm not interested I don't miss I don't want to see a new Woody Allen movie and that's fine with me but I also understand if someone else is like I truly feel I can separate his work from who he is as a human being and like 
I like I'm get I get something from going back and watching Manhattan and I'm able to separate my relationship to that material from who I think of Woody Allen as being and same with Michael Jackson like someone else you know can still enjoy his music I'm not there like yeah. maybe I'll get there but like I can't I I, I cannot separate my visceral reaction same. and so I've had to just like walk away from from that as you know as any kind of fan but it really is different for everyone and I think that's what we're all trying to come to I don't know maybe come to peace with or come to peace with not coming to peace with right exactly. it's just kind of going I don't know man this is messy and my feelings could change from day to day and you know the information is constantly changing and like how do we get better at understanding that um that there are going to be a lot of disappointments and a lot of kind of reconciliations with 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 what we know about art and the people who make it yeah, exactly. And like, how terrifying would it be if suddenly, like, there's a mandate that, okay, this person is quote unquote canceled and therefore everything is being erased and you are you are demanded to feel a certain way about it. Like, fortunately, yeah. that's not how we are being. There's no one forcing us to do anything, but we are being told often um, in form in many forms, like you should feel this way or you should do this. And there's a lot of pressure, yeah. um, especially on social media or these podcasts and different, diff- you know, the, the maybe the, the not so good podcast. But, you know, I I really do think that it is up to every single person individually to process grief, how they process grief. Like it's it's you're mourning essentially the death of somebody's like the admiration you have for them. Like that's like there yeah. are stages to that. <laughs> like I've had yeah. I've had the seven stages of grief with Cosby when that stuff came out. And yeah, and I've had the same thing with other people, uh, different, you know, comedians or whoever like it, and, and, and politicians like Al Franken. And and sometimes to prove a point, people will go really far because they think it's the good thing. And I think we're just in the wild west of this stuff and I really hope that in the future like we have a clearer way of like kind of I don't know kind of working through this stuff in a in a way that doesn't like damn people for all time if, if, assuming they're not like Harvey Weinstein in which case you know fuck him I think that's fair to say um, yeah but you some know of, some of them are really easy some of them are some really of them easy are really hard yeah but even Cosby where it's easy to say like he did awful things like yeah like most people I grew up loving Bill Cosby and there's also a racial component to it of we don't want to have another person that we could use that racists could use to say oh see this is how this is how black people are and it's like you know people can fuel their hatred and do these things and it's evil and I it scares me <laughs> but like you know thank thank goodness no one is forcing us by law to to react in a certain way and I think it's like a difficult part of being a human that's also very important and like can be really healing and amazing oh oh it's time for a quick break I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun Hey, James. Hey, Nike. Well, what we doing, girl? We are inviting the awesome listeners of Maximum Fun to join us at Minority Corner. Ooh, fun. But you know how we go on Tangent City. We're the joint mayors. We're not going to do that, okay? Soup's focus. Okay, so Minority Corner is where you can all come and get your pop culture taste. Plus, social commentary, news, and TV movie reactions like Avengers Endgame. No spoilers here. Ooh, snap. Sometimes we dig into the vaults and we review and recap those movies you missed. Got you, Halle Berry's kidnapped. I love how she always gets 
1000%. Like Beyonce. Did you see Homecoming on Netflix? She was burning it down like the mother of dragons. Have you seen the latest Game of Thrones? So good. Only thing missing? More, More black, black people. people. What do you think about Mayor Pete? Wait a minute, James. We went on a tangent. Yes. Ah, well. Join us every Friday for more tangents. On Maximum Fun. I would love to get into this uh, this mash game with you. Yes. Um, let us start out. I think we have a lot of rich uh, pop culture material that we can mine <laughs> um, for some of these questions. So let's start with uh, uh, apropos of uh, many of the things for which you are known. Let's do three characters from fiction that you would love to um, have like a best friendship with. Ooh, best friendship. Okay. Let's see. Um. I would love uh I would love Lisa Simpson to be one of my best friends. Great. Um I would love uh let's see. I would love Daria to be one of my best friends and hmm I would love Wayne Campbell to be one of my best friends. <laughs> Great. <laughs> God, I really have not thought about his last name in a very long time. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. Okay, let's do uh, three musicians that you would love to uh, collaborate with, living or dead. Okay, Paul McCartney, Amy Mann, and Prince. Wonderful. Okay, let's do three places from fiction that you would love to have a second home. Ooh, I'm going to be weird and say the Swiss Family Robinson house. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I really thought that was the coolest shit in the world. Oh, my God. It really was. Um, I guess this isn't fiction, but the Love Island Villa, um, Love Island, the uh, the British kind of uh, dating reality show. Um, if that counts. Oh, Otherwise, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know what that, yeah, I just yeah. saw that when I was in London. I was like, why is this so adorable? I cannot stop watching it. And I don't usually watch shows like this. Me neither. I, I, oh. I've never watched until recently because uh, Julia, who was on the podcast just the other week. She um, was. She, she in- tried to introduce me to The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And I, I can appreciate why people like it. It's not my cup of tea, but it's fun to to watch other people lose their minds over it. And I, I totally yeah. get it. But Love Island, like, just takes my breath away. So the Love Island Villa, if I, if I can do that. And then love it. the third place, um, I think I'm just going to say Cheers, the bar at Cheers. I'm really surprised you didn't say Hogwarts, but... Oh, my God. Can I change it? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Fuck the Love Island Villa. Let's say okay. Hogwarts. <laughs> okay. Got it. Hogwarts. Sorry. Now I feel like I unduly influenced you, but I wanted that to give fair. you the opportunity I to really at least say, it. like, surprisingly, no. I don't feel that way anymore. <laughs> um, in, in line with that, uh, let's do three magical powers that you would like to have. Do they have to be from something or just like magical powers nope. that I want? Okay. Um, boring answer. I would love to fly. Great. Um, a, a very stupid thing that I've always wanted is the ability to know the lyrics to every song. <laughs> <That's> an amazingly <laughs> like, specific I just, I just think that'd be and so fantastic cool. powers. <laughs> I feel like I could really impress people. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Um, and then let's see. I would like, uh, well, I guess... I guess this kind of takes away from... I guess teleportation would be a cool one. Agreed. Okay. Saves money uh, on travel. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so uh, next one we got to do my favorite uh, or one of my favorites foods that in this reality are bad for you, fattening, bad for the environment, any list of other things. Uh, in this alternate universe, everything, all things are equal and you can have anything at the snap of your finger, three Ooh. things you would have. Oh my God. Um, well, so I am vegan, so I'm going to say some things that I that aren't vegan that I would love to have be vegan for me. Um, yes. I Cheese. <laughs> I Great. mean, just like... Yeah. Really great cheese. Um, I think I was talking about that with Julia, too. Like, they really haven't gotten there with cheese, vegan-wise. Yeah. I just don't feel they have. Yeah. And, like, there are really great versions of vegan cheese, but it's of a class of its own. It's not, you know, it's great for vegan cheese. It's just not great for for cheese. But um, And I know that a lot of people would totally disagree with me, and that's totally fine, but that's just my two cents. Um, I guess I, I agree with you. I mean, I agree with you because I think that, like, the things that I really like that are vegan cheese are very specific types of vegan cheese and what yes. they work in. But no one has handed me, like, something that tastes like smoked Gouda. Do you oh, know what I mean? Like, yes. I haven't been handed, like, that kind of vegan cheese. Exactly. Um, the next thing is uh, the, the cheddar uh, ruffles. Um, oh, great. Really, <laughs> I want those every time that I stop in a 7-Eleven or a gas uh, place, like a little convenience store. Yeah. Um, and then let's see. Uh, cheesecake. Cheesecake is great. my very favorite dessert. We have definitely stayed in the cheese family with all three of these. Yep. So I'm very <laughs> impressed and I applaud. I applaud that you managed to find three different cheese forms yep. uh, to be represented. <laughs> Side note, not that I, I, and listen, I wish the podcast were sponsored by uh, this, but do you like hippies? Oh my God, yes. The 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 white cheddar vegan hippies so are good. my favorite snack right now. I'm obsessed yes. with them. I I want them all the time every day. They're so good. Um, oh. I know that Earth Balance also has like their own version of Cheez Its, which are pretty good. And they're you know snacking is coming a long way, but there's still some still some room in my opinion. I agree. Uh, okay, next category. Let's do some romance stuff. These are three people that you would like to have an alternate universe uh, romance with. They can be animated, uh, literary, real, living, dead. You name it. It's up to you. Three. Um, hot priest. Uh, Adam Scott in Party Down. And um, by the way, with him, when I had my previous boyfriend who I was living with, had two cats with, um, I watched Party Down for the first time and I was so in love with uh, his character, um, Henry, that I like non-ironically told my boyfriend like, hey, babe, we need to talk. Like, I have feelings for someone else and <laughs> I, I need to come clean in case this is something you want to break up with me over. Um, and he's just like, oh, my God, OK, like, who is it? And I was like, it sounds stupid. I'm not an idiot, <laughs> but it is this character on this show. And he laughed. And I'm just like, I would leave you for this character. I'm, I want right. you to know that. Like, I don't think that that's healthy. I, I'm in love with someone else that is fake. <laughs> and he was eventually we broke up. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's that's there's a significance to some of that, right? Because it is like, to, you know, we've spent so much time on the episode talking about how fictional characters are presented exactly the way that they're meant to be. But it is it is it is interesting when something hits you that hard to where you sometimes for 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 some people like you really understand like the absences in your relationship in real yeah. life that like oh, what is this saying like yes you know this is not a real person yes it's being presented to me in this very specific way but like 
if my feelings about this are so strong, do do I actually need to kind of look at where I am and go, wow, what what am what am I not getting? Exactly right. Exactly from this right. Thing? And then let's see. It's funny because so many of the characters that I like love um it goes back to that harold hill thing of just like i don't think i actually love them i think i just want to be them but that said um even though it's a weird one in terms of like if he didn't exist on a tv show and it was just real life that would be a really bad choice um (laughs) (laughs) charlie charlie from it's always sunny makes sense all the disclaimers make i like small men Understood and accepted. Yeah. Um, okay. Next category. Let us do. Let's do three theme albums that you may or may not ever do, um, but that you think would have or would be fun to tackle. Great. Um, Twin Peaks. Um, yeah. I used to have a, the first podcast I ever did where I was such a baby and didn't know what I was doing was called Fire Talk With Me. And um, <laughs> Sorry, that's great. <laughs> thank you. And uh, Jeremy Smith, who worked um, at Ain't It Cool News uh, as like uh, a film critic, uh, was was introducing me to the show. And so every episode I would watch it with with these new eyes and, and I had never been spoiled at all. So I was constantly kind of guessing and and trying to figure out the mystery for myself and I had a lot of ideas for some cool songs um but I never got around to it so I I would love to do a Twin Peaks uh, concept album um let's see another one would be maybe maybe a dad concept album so all the cool dads um in pop culture I could not love that more (laughs) And um, I would like to do, let's see, I might do a concept album, kind of vague, but just about, like, each song would be about, like, a cool, um, a cool woman character. Um, I have this song, my first song that I wrote, like, as Cosby Sweater was called Comedians, and it was about all the male comedians I have a crush on, and a number of them are people that, like, have been outed as not being good anymore. Um, And uh, so I've wanted to write at least a a reprisal of that that is like, have women icons. Um, Yeah. And so I think it'd be cool. And maybe it's not just like fictional. Maybe it's also like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. just going to do a very broad like uh, women hero concept album. Love it. Love it. Okay, uh, final one uh, in paying tribute to your current podcast at Max Fun with Julia three specific Simpson episodes that you can jump into and be a part of in some way. Wow, that's so fun. I think the, I need to remember what it's called, but the Planet of the Apes musical, um, (laughs) I really would love to get in on the actual musical itself. Um, And then also uh, Troy McClure's like fancy, quote unquote, Hollywood, you know, their version of Hollywood lifestyle of going to the fancy restaurants and then the the fish, like all the fishes that he's like sexually attracted to. I just want to be around (laughs) all of it. Um, Dana must have written that episode. No, I mean, Dana Gould must have written that that Planet of the Apes episode. Like he's obsessed with Planet of the Apes and he wrote the show. So it's so funny. Yeah, I I, I think that might have been a little before his time, but it seems but it seems crazy. So yeah, um, but yeah. So that that one's called a fish called Selma. Um, I just remembered great. by saying fish. Um, great. Okay, so that's one. 
Um, I think there, there's there got to be a Treehouse of Horror episode that has like a cool background. I would like to go to the Treehouse of Horror episode where we see Lisa's future with her um, her partner who she's going to get married to um, and just like get to be a friend during that time of Lisa's. I think that'd be really Great. fun. And Great. let's see. I really like the burlesque episode and think it'd be fun to explore the burlesque house. Great. Okay. Uh, pick a number between one and seven, please. Three. Okay, great. I'm going to do this mash and uh, what I ask of you, and I feel certain that Julian can make some edits if necessary, but uh, because I don't want you just hanging out there having to talk until I finish this. Um, <laughs> but let's see if I can finish this um, in the time it takes you to talk about where people can listen to you, find you, follow you, all that good stuff. Okay, great. Uh, all right. So, yes, anyone who wants to get more of the Allie Gertz experience uh, can go to <laughs> at Allie Gertz on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I, I tend to do some fun Instagram stories. Um, and uh, let's see. On Twitter right now, I'm doing more political stuff than normal. I've been trying to help out this candidate, um, Bobby Bliatu, who's running against Devin Nunes. Um, and regardless of where you land politically, I think you could probably agree that Devin Nunes is, is not the mm -hmm. best. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's a it's a mixture of tweets about like Spin City and The Simpsons and then Bobby Bliatu. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Great. And then um, my website, Allie Gertz, um, you will find a picture of me dressed as Austin Powers flanked by two um, fembots, uh, in case you're wondering, like, is this the right place? Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> you could get a little bit more, like, information on, like, the different shows that I do and podcasts and live performances. I've been doing a few more live shows. And um, later this year, I'm unsure when, but probably spring, um, I'm going to be doing another, like, self-produced album. Um, so be on the lookout on my different social channels to see more information on that. Um, and as was mentioned, I have a Max Fun show called Around Springfield. This is a uh, new version of our old show, a, uh, which was called Everything's Coming Up Simpsons. And this time we're talking to uh, people who've worked on The Simpsons about their non-Simpsons uh, shows. So, for example, like we talked to David X. Cohen about Futurama and then kind of some of his failures and triumphs along the way. And it's really, really fun. Um, so listen to that on Max Fun. Nice. Uh, listen, I did finish. So I'm very glad that uh, yeah. you have so much great stuff going on. That's uh, <laughs> that helps us both. Um, OK, so first of all, I want to congratulate you <laughs> on your beautiful house Ooh. nestled somewhere in the hills next to cheers yes <laughs> <laughs> the boston hills next to cheers <laughs> cheers bar yeah uh i think that's fantastic i'm very excited for you to hang out with all those characters um so that's kind of amazing if you want to uh leave that place or leave your uh your other home in los angeles i want you to rest assured you have the ability to teleport yes so you can get anywhere and everywhere up to and including the inside of the burlesque episode yes 
of The Simpsons. <laughs> um, in keeping with uh, discussing uh, feminists and uh, strong females worthy of recognition, you are uh, going to, and probably actually will on this one, uh, do a, a, a concept album about uh, some of pop culture's great ladies. Hell yeah. Um, and you, uh, I, I have to say, I'm sure some of that and the decision to do that was informed by your best friend, Lisa Simpson. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, you you are um, collaborating uh, somehow in the, the the weirdness of time and and our understanding of how it does or does not work. You and Prince are collaborating as well <laughs> on something. Maybe it's a great ladies album. Maybe it's something totally separate. But cannot wait to hear what that sounds like. Same here. And um, surprisingly, with all that being said, you are also in a deeply satisfying romantic relationship with Charlie. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Who good. somehow embraces all of your earnestness <laughs> and positivity. Oh, good. That makes yeah, me very happy. Yeah, you're a very good influence. <laughs> um, so that, my friend, is your uh, 100% guaranteed fictitious MASH, mash future. Yes. Uh, I thank you so much for doing the podcast. I look forward to seeing you in person uh, one of these days, hopefully sooner than later. Absolutely. And uh, and I will uh, talk to everybody else uh, next time on the podcast. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.